Hello and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Um, this week we've interviewed a young lady um, by the name of Elise Macchiato, I believe is the name. Oh my God, no! Macchi Macchiato. That's a coffee, you goose. <laughs> That was the that was it. That is so naughty. Makato. Yeah, you're laughing at me, but you don't remember. <laughs> we just it took it took us a while to get it when we interviewed. Yeah, it. when when we interview her, you'll hear it. Yes. Marcianti. Marcianti. Marcianti, yes. Yeah, or something like that. Oh sorry, oh, Alex. We, we do apologize for this. <laughs> But when we got it right the first time, she was quite surprised. So yeah. it doesn't, she won't be surprised that we got it right. I uh, got it wrong the second time. I'm just so glad it was you. I love that it was Mackie Hart. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, yeah. uh, yes, we, we spoke to Elise. Um, I mean, we could stop and start again, but you know, why would we do that? Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, we spoke to Elise um, about her. Um, uh, it's done a long run. Don't go through it all. Yeah, maybe. about uh, an adventure she went on just recently. Um, and we we um, she was a, a lovely young lady who who has been through some issues um, personally and um, has fought back well. So yeah. a very interesting story um, and full of insights. But before we start, we thought we'd just um, do a bit of an update because um, people gave us the feedback that they actually enjoy the the updates. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that's good to know. So we will continue with those, with telling you about our exciting life <laughs> that consists of running, sleeping and eating and on the, repeat. And the occasional gym work. Yes, well, yes, true, true. <laughs> um, so anyway, what have we been up to? Well, well we've been climbing some hills lately. That we have. Um, and up, some some of them over and over again. Yes. Oh, my God, we've been getting the vert in. So we went up to Donna and did some... Trail Donna repeats this time, yep. and um, <clears throat> that was that was good good work. It was hot, hot, muggy, hilly, obviously, and and the, what we really find was that you know normally you think of the downhill as the recovery, but it was really hard work mentally, you know, as well as physically, because mentally you're having to really concentrate concentrate because it's quite technical, slippy, yep. trippy with the bark and the slippery roots and um. You know, I went down. I can't remember if you went down. No, or, I didn't go down this no, first time. No. Um. So. Um. So yeah, it was quite it, not just an intense workout up, but hard down. No, even though it um had been dry and it was a warm day, there was still quite a few slippery, mm, muddy yeah. sections. So and we still got some leeches. Yes. Yes. Uh. Actually, you got. I didn't get oh. any leeches this time. It was always me who gets bloody leeches. Yeah, I didn't get any. Yeah, so the, and then I also got some allergic reactions to something else yeah, in the bush. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Then last weekend, just gone, we went for, um, we decided to stay close to home because honestly, we didn't get home till four o'clock. Oh, yeah, it makes know? for a long day when it's we travel. It's a bloody somewhere. long day. Um, <clears throat> so, we ran from home and this time we didn't use poles. So, um, and oh my God, we suffered a bit. <laughs> we did, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, because like, you really could tell the difference between it, big difference, yeah. it does it does so um you know um and and speaking of poles i've got a poles workshop and and a hill running workshop because we go through you know ascending and descending pole uh, hills not poles jesus 
there's, there's, it's not a poll clinic in that in that, <laughs> in that respect. Way, in that way. Yeah. Um, so ascending and descending hills with and without poles. So that is on Sunday, the 25th of Feb. So get on the website and register for that if you are interested, especially if you're going to be um, doing any races with, with hills and whatnot in them. Um, that'll yep. be a week after we've just done hut to hut. Yeah, so we might be moving slowly. <laughs> we'll be fine. Yeah, Dom's should be finished by then, but um, I'm sure a fair bit of fatigue will still be yeah, there. But all good, all good. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, one thing that I did notice on our run was I was feeling really tired. Um, and that's because, um, you know, as a female, I get a period and it was the day before my period. And, um, I was feeling pretty exhausted, but because, you know, I know how to work with my body in these ways and, and I know I get tired then. So I always up the carbs, but it, so I was making sure I was really, I could feel the tiredness behind there, but I was supplementing it with lots of carbs i was getting into the uh the sours lollies yep. um and oh my god that really helped um but i also have the mastering your menstrual cycle workshop coming up on wednesday the 21st of feb and look i know what it's like and it can be really frustrating um and that's why doing this workshop you know is really helpful to help you deal with the frustrations and a to know you're not alone b to know that you're not imagining it and see to just have more knowledge on and and know what sort of things you can do to help um, you during that stage of your cycle because um, you know it's a large portion of our lives as females where we have a cycle and we should really the more educated we are the better. So yeah, once again, apparently it happened once a month. I know, yeah, right? Okay, <laughs> figure. Yeah. So um, get onto the website once again for that if you are interested in in attending that and it's always a bit of fun as well um and and i really uh emphasize you know um what's the word i don't know what i don't know saying. talking in the um you know uh people asking questions and that sort of thing so you know i'm all for that um so yeah we've we haven't really been doing a lot we did no. book our flights to america yes, yes so it's it's Kind of official. Yeah, can't book got, you got all our, for love nor money. We've got our visa. We've got our flights. So, yeah. um, Just cannot kind of book a U-Haul for when we're at the park. Um, it, Like literally the website doesn't work. Then when I rang them, um, it, they were having Almost trouble. Almost got there. Though. Almost got there. They were having trouble because of my, because it was an Australian phone number. And then just as she got all the credit card details and everything, it cut out. And then I got a message from Bendigo Bank saying they put my my credit card on hold because of unusual activity and when I rang them they said oh yes yeah, someone in was using your thing to book a u-haul I'm like yeah that, that someone was me <laughs> <laughs> but in saying that it still it never went through so I'm now I'm gonna have to ring them back again and I hate ringing and I hate having to talk to people I just want to book it online I just want it to be easy <laughs> but it isn't no. so from that from me not wanting to talk to anybody I had to ring u-haul and be on the phone for them for 15 minutes and then Ring bending a bank. So from not wanting right. to talk, I'm having to talk to everybody. That's right. So anyway, that's my whinge for the week. <laughs> um, not that I dislike people, but I, that sort of stuff, I just want to book. Because, you know, with the American thing, I know the number's going to be a hassle and the address and everything's going to be hard. Yeah. And it's just too hard. Just... In fact, it was unusual that the four, the four number zip code that we yeah. have in Australia was actually the easy thing. Yeah, that was accepted. Normally, that's the thing that throws the yeah. system out. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so we shall try again. 
Um, but I'm giving myself a few days break before I try again because <laughs> I just can't deal with it. Right. And we booked out accommodation for um, hut to hut. So, like I said, we spent over five thousand dollars in the weekend. Considering oh we God. barely left the house to do anything but run, yeah, it's an oh expensive my weekend. God, oh, like, oh, anyway, this, this life of international jet setters that we lead. lead it's very expensive. It's killing the credit card. <laughs> oh my god! I haven't. I have. I've been too scared to look back at the credit. Like, oh my god. Anyway, it is what it is. Yeah. And you know, I'm incredibly fortunate to have this opportunity. So, you know, come yeah. what may, we'll be heading there. Um. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, now be prepared for uh, an interesting um, um, interview. We yep. don't do a lot of interviews anymore. Man, it's just. Ron and I waxing rambling lyrical, on, yeah. oh yeah, or rambling, yep. <laughs> um, like we just seem to have. Um, um, my apologies. Clearly, we were not prepared. Um, and and as it is an edit free um podcast, you do get to hear Ron call Elise Elise <laughs> It sounded right to me. It sounded right in my head. <laughs> Italian. Maybe I, maybe I was just thinking about coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm so embarrassed because she's going to listen to this. Sadly, I thought it was some kind of wine. Oh, are you serious? Isn't there a wine? I'm... Macchiato? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Not, not a wine or coffee aficionado, unfortunately. Quite clearly. Well, I used to be a barista, so at least yeah. I guess I suppose that's why I know. Yeah. Um, all righty. Have a great week, everybody. Um, if you're in Australia, enjoy the heat. Um yeah. And the humidity, because that just seems to be par for the course these days. It does. If you're in Canada, enjoy the freezing cold at the moment. Oh, my lordy lord. I've been looking at those temperatures and they look like fun. Not So not a lot of outdoor running for them when it's negative 35. That's right. Imagine what it's like here when it's you know 30 degrees in the summer months. Over there, it's minus 30 degrees. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, well, it's, I mean, even when I was there, you know, it'd be negative 20 and that was hard enough because it's it's the air going into your lungs. It's the hard bit. And you try to cover your mouth, but then your um, breath makes it get all icy and frozen and then you can't breathe. And then your eyelashes get so coated in icicles, you can't open your eyes. So you can't breathe, you can't see. It's it's fun and it's games. Like Sounds like perfect running condition. Yes, which is why I used to, well, you know, do my quality sessions on a, on a, treadmill but in that kind of weather you can't really go out at all you'd have to do pretty much everything yeah. on a treadmill so um yeah thinking of you over there in Canada all my Canadian friends and our Canadian listeners um and I know the UK is having some pretty bitter weather at the moment too so um you know yeah, stay safe out there in the cold weather yeah remember dress up dress up into what well, into warm clothes. <laughs> okay, that we that we were playing dress ups. No, we're not playing dress up. <laughs> I mean, dress warm. Dress warm. Yes. Yep. All righty. Have a great week, everybody, and um, you know, lots of feedback. We love the feedback, so let us know. Okay. Okay. Enjoy. Bye. My name's Michelle and I took part in Peak Endurance's workshop on mastering your menstrual cycle. I can honestly say that this workshop has given me a new perspective on life. It's equipped me with the knowledge to understand my own body and the phases of the menstrual cycle that it goes through. I found it particularly fascinating that 
I could relate to the content almost instantly and why there were days where I felt sluggish to run or days where I felt invincible in the gym. Isabel's workshop has provided me with the tools to fuel better and train smarter. Hello and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. If you are watching on YouTube, you'll see there are three of us here, me, obviously, and Isabel me. Tate, me, Ron the Tate. other me, and we have with us Elise Marcia and T. I almost stopped it up again. <laughs> Hi, Elise. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, Elise has joined us because she has just completed 300 kilometres um, 50Ks of which was the uh, Ultra Trail Kosciuszko 50K and then 250 kilometres of the Australian Alps walking track. Obviously, that's just a part of the walking track. Is that correct? Yeah, it's a 700 kilometre. Yeah, that's right. So, but 250 is enough. Um, so, first of all, tell us how, um, how the run went. I was actually really stoked with it. That was something that was the, the longest one I've done. I've done a couple uh-huh. marathons. I haven't actually hit that ultra distance before. And I really put a lot into training and I think that was just like a really central thing. I think when I was going out there and hitting those hills, I just, I I really felt confident and strong and yeah, yeah, probably my favorite race. Oh, that's excellent. Was there a reason why you started your trek with this race or was it just because that got you out into the hills and you thought that was a good start off point? I think it was really sentimental. I think I've done I've done a snow season up in Jindabyne. I've done a snow season around Falls and Hotham. And I just thought there was something really special about starting highest region of Australia, somewhere I've done a snow season, which has been really special and making my way back home. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so when you say making your way back home, are you from Bright? I've grown up in Montana, but uh-huh. I've been in Bright the last few years. Okay, okay. And so then you, um, from there, you started the Australian Alps walking track, which was a little bit of a distance away, wasn't it? But um, and then um, you did the two fifty k's, and you went to Feathertop and Hotham as well for the peaks, didn't you? How was that? That was amazing. It's just it's so special. I think that area it kind of feels like my backyard. Being able yeah. to be spending so much time and finishing that hike with um a group of friends, I think was really special. Okay, so you did hike it on your own. Yeah, so I, I did the last four days with yeah. friends, which yeah. was really beautiful. And that's kind of why I wanted that kind of coming together in community. I did uh, the first 10 days, 200 kilometers solo, and I saw almost no one on the track. Oh, really? It, I did uh, like an 80-hour stint, saw someone yeah. at night, and then I did a 100-hour stint. No reception. Wow. No one. What so, was that like? That would have been weird. It was it was really intense. I don't think I'd even prepared for it as well. I was going yeah. to hit the track. There'll be plenty of people. So I don't that's think right. I'm, I mentally prepared but I kind of got pretty deep into it where I'm like I kind of I've got to make a pact with nature I've kind of yeah. got to realize it's not against me I'm not against it I'm here and I've got to be okay with it because I used to be really scared solo oh, overnight. okay like, I used yeah, to, yeah. as soon as it got dark I'd be like oh I'm scared and I really had to, yeah. to sit with that and just surrender like I'm yeah, in it yeah I'm, right. I'm in it and that's the same with like long distance runs sometimes yeah. you know it gets hard and you're uncomfortable and you're like I'm in it yeah and that was yeah that. So you spent those first 10 days essentially solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. And so you carried everything you needed on your back. You didn't have um, stashes or anything like that. I did three fruit drops. Okay, that's yeah. good. Yeah, I was going to say, holy moly, that pack was <laughs> heavy. <laughs> it still was, but yeah. I'm yeah, really glad I did those fruit drops. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And what did you do about water? Um, I had my map, so I knew where water was. So I had yep. creeks and aquatabs and yep. kind of just carried about 
two liters, give or take with me at all times. Yeah. yeah. And roughly how much did you do per day? How far did you go? It varied. So it was about uh, 15 to 30 Ks a day, 30 yeah. being definitely on the high end. So maybe like 15 to 25. Yeah. Um, and all up, it was 11,000 elevation, 10,000 down. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's solid. Yeah. <laughs> and especially with a big pack on, like, you know, for many ultra runners, the pack they have is fairly light. But when you're carrying everything you need, which I assume is a tent and some sort of mattress and, you know, cooking utensils. Yep. Mm. So that's a fair, fair bit to have on your back when you're going up and down those hills. Yeah. 100%. I think the biggest thing is more like the gap between what I've been doing and what. I'm yep. doing I think yep. that's the thing because like for my next expedition I know I can go further I've got yes. that baseline but it's like oh I haven't used um you know the GPS tracking and off you yep. know reception nav I haven't really done a long multi-day that there's so many new things that that felt not overwhelming but that was a, a big thing yeah yeah but I think that's more so than you really um pushed your limits with this yeah. didn't you and got yeah. out of your comfort zone so I was definitely pushing my limits absolutely. yeah yeah no that's great and and I want to say, you know, like it's a fair thing for a woman to be a bit nervous being alone at night, even though there are no people there. Um, you, you just don't know, no people that you saw anyway. So um, I think it's it's a testament to that women can do tough things and can do hard things. So well done. Um, and um, um, I did have a question in mind, but did you have well, something? Yeah, let's go back to the start. What sort of training did you do in the lead up? Did yeah. you focus on hiking? Did you focus on, you know, living rough basically or what sort of training did you put in? I think I'm pretty lucky with where I've been living is pretty like conducive of all that. Um, yeah. I've got Feathertop and Brogong, you know, very close to me. So a lot of mornings before work, I was going up and uh, hiking it or running it. I yeah. had the Her Trails program for the run. So I knew yeah. I was run ready. And then I was doing a lot of multi-days in the lead up. But even if I hadn't had this hike plan, I think I'd be doing it. Yeah. Pretty, pretty similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because you obviously just love being outdoors. And yeah, and when you're in, if you're living in Bright, I mean, you're just spoiled for, for hills. It there, is, really. Yeah, it's too yeah, good. Yeah, no yeah. And um, so obviously the Australian Else Walking Trail doesn't go to Bright. So how did you manage that? How did you get around to Bright from the track? Yeah, so I went from Hotham along the Razorback of Feathertop down yeah. the Bungalow Spur. I'm going yep. to finish in Harrietville. Uh, so you uh, finished down Bungalow right. Spur. Is that the yeah. one I hate? Uh, you never remember. Is that the one with the river crossings at the end? And no, that's that's Bonacore. That's Bonacore. That's Bonacore, okay. yeah. 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 <laughs> no, Bungalow's the one that finishes basically oh, yeah, through, yeah, exactly. through yeah, the yeah, town yeah, yeah, where, yeah. where I got bitten yeah. by the dog. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Last time we were there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you started because I, I looked at the map. Um, so did you start at Mount Bogong or you started further north? Whereabouts did you start and why did you start there? As in the, the, for the start of the hike? Yeah, yeah. for the start yeah, of the hike. So I started at uh, Cascade Trail, so just past, like just at Dead Horse Gap. Okay. So I was staying in Fedbro at the time. That's where the run was. And it yep. was just a few k's up. That was the closest part to the, uh, the track. Okay. So I started, so actually started in New South Wales. Yeah. So I started in Kosciuszko. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. That's not, that's good. Cause uh, I've always, you know, wondered how the, how the um, Alpine walking track connects up through to basically Kosciuszko from the Melbourne, Al uh, sorry, the Victorian Alps. So um, is it is it clearly marked? And how did you find navigating through that particular area? Because it's it's not a a well walked track. I'm guessing. No, it's it's surprisingly not. I think the navigation itself was 
actually pretty pretty good. There's markers around, and I I told my friends like if I if you see my tracker heading towards Queensland, give me a holler. <laughs> like I am not I'm not great with navigations at all. Give yeah. me street signs and I'm lost. But I had downloaded maps, so my blue dot was always near the track. Oh, yeah, like yeah. You, you know, you can't get lost. You can't. Like, yeah. You can see where you are, but in saying that, it would go from four wheel drive track where you like you know just pacing along it would like take a left and it's just bush oh, for really? hours hours yeah. and hours of there's no track you're just checking your phone every oh wow you're following your phone being like that's the direction you need to go and you so just... you could literally see no track oh that for would have been big, a disconcerting yeah. for big chunks okay. so i knew i wasn't lost yeah but it was also like you can't you, you can't switch was. off you're just <laughs> like you just somehow make so i wonder through. how people would normally if they you know because at one point we didn't have those gps things what oh. did people do before then compass and berry yeah, I guess. Oh, no, yeah that is yeah, but still yeah, that would no. be that would be very slow going I, using a compass I couldn't imagine. Like there was no. one time I did get lost and that's because my phone had died oh. and I followed a Brumbury track thinking that was the track. Yeah, but yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, switched off. We're like, yeah, we're going down the hill. Like, this is sweet. And um, then saw a pack of Brumbury. So I was like, that's oh. definitely not the track. But yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. we all know that if you're going to take a wrong turn, the wrong turn will take you down the hill. So, yeah, so you, you have to go back up. Back up. Back up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're going to be angry and sad coming <laughs> back what you just went down. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Now, what um, this is an epic achievement, um, and you were doing it for a particular reason. Do you want to share with the listeners what what your um, motivation for doing this was? Yeah, definitely a cause really close to my heart with um, eating disorders, and I think it's something that, with my own personal experience, it's been on my mind for a long time since being well. To do something that shows, like, not only rep- like recovery is possible, but you can live like you know you're really you're capable not even just of recovery but anything yeah of the things that you want to be doing like you're you're capable yeah yeah so you're doing it to raise awareness for eating disorders but also um you know the charity that you're raising money for is is to the families of people who have eating disorders can you explain why that's important to support the family and and maybe just if if you feel comfortable a little bit of your experience and you know your family's experience and how that helped you Mm. as well yeah 100 percent. so this has been like a nine year i mean well now but it was nine year probably five years of really hard like yeah, got on well, been hospitalized in and out of yeah. treatment, um, and was out of school. So my parents were the ones looking after me full time. They could yeah. work. Oh wow! And they they full time care. I had to be under full supervision. Oh wow! All the time. It was really really hard, and they had no way of knowing how to deal with this. Yeah. They hadn't been told when I went to the GP to first get kind of diagnosed as like something's up. She was googling it, like yeah. googling the symptoms, and like I think this is what it is. So my parents had no way of knowing how to best support me. And they were in a time that was very, very emotionally intense. Yeah. Um, so they like, you know, they used to order books online and yeah. sneak them in and try and read them. They didn't have a community to connect to or anyone to give advice. So they're going through something that's very hard and alone. Yeah. And I don't think people realize eating disorders affect the whole family, not just the individual. And, yeah. and yeah. that mm-hmm. if the parents are the ones being the main carers, they need to be able to have the education and support to be able to do that role. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, especially if you if you're not in a hospital when you're at home, then your parents need to take on that role of and they don't know what to do. Yeah. There was no support. There. And so the doctors and they didn't give you any your parents any particular information, really, nothing. No, just and do you think that was because they weren't aware of how to go about it, or there just wasn't the support structure within the GP system? 
I think it's interesting because it's a psychological illness, but it's always seen from the medical side when yeah. you're unstable. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in hospital because your heart rate's too low, yeah. et cetera. And so then the treatment team of that is very physical. physical based. Based. So yeah. like, okay, well, her obs are good enough to go. We'll send you home. And then when you keep going back, we don't know, like, okay, yeah. well, your body's unwell. Let's treat your body. And I don't think yeah. Yeah. they realize how, how holistic it needed to be. I think if you're weight restoring someone, you're not, fixing the reason that they're doing it and yeah. it's not yeah. getting better. So I think yeah. at the time the treatment is called family-based therapy. It's something that's hopefully going out the window. It's very just brutal. They don't really care about the person. It's just uh, get, get the food in, get them nourished. And, and I was going to say better. that because um, it's an eating disorder, but just getting the food in is, is not because the person being fed may, this may create really bad feelings within them to being forced to eat this, which could then end up making it worse or them resenting the people being their family who are force feeding them, so to speak. And it could create a lot of issues and problems. Am I right? Exactly. And that's like other mental illnesses or with alcohol and drugs. Mm. It's the same. Even if you take that stimulate, like the stimulus away or, or that thing, it doesn't resolve the reason it's happening. Yeah. So it's very deeply rooted. So this charity that you're um, raising funds for, can you just name that charity so people? Can... Yeah, yeah. So it's called Eating Disorder Families Australia, and yep. they're a not-for-profit, an amazing um, volunteer-run program that helps do like workshops and webinars, supports the parents, um, education. Like it's phenomenal. And so, when did they start? When I'm did not that sure start? when they were founded. I would say a few years ago. But obviously, I, I wasn't. My parents weren't aware of it when okay. I came through it. Okay, which means then GPs aren't aware of it, and so they need to be aware of it to pass on the information, don't they? And yeah. how did you get onto it, or how did your family find out about find them? out about them? Uh, I think just through through recovery, started to hear a little bit more about what was going on, and I was lucky enough to run some workshops, like, yeah. um, as an artist, like some mindfulness um, workshops and and some speaking on behalf of being someone with lived experience. Yeah, yeah. So you help them now by doing that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what do the, the the funds that you raise? What sort of what would they be using that for to help yeah, them with? Because it's like there is absolutely no like funding or money sorry, funding or money that like helps it. It's all based on donations to actually make it be able to run the systems, like having a team together and then then providing those educations. And and so what sort of support are they giving the family? Are they, is it, is it education? Is it, you know, advice on, you know, treatment plans or or what, what sort of it's, it's all it's, it's like a community hub they do like webinars a lot of facilitations a lot of question and answers like mm-hmm. um a lot of information blog website content that yeah. you know if you've got a question here's here's all the answers and and ways to be able to understand it and learn from it and where are they based for like in-person things or do they have like you know in, in different cities different groups for it i'm not too sure actually yeah but they're sure. primarily melbourne based yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I'm guessing if they're wanting funding, they probably want to expand because online's great, but I guess also the in-person is, is really important too, I would guess. Yeah. 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 Um, so as far as because you just hinted before um, about being an artist, how how is that, what are you doing to with your artistry to, you know, further the cause as well? Yeah, I think um, over the last little period, I've done a lot of like mindfulness workshops and I think, for me, art's been really important 
um, as a form of therapy, same as movement. I think they both okay. hold a really powerful space, like the running, hiking and art as a way of kind of healing and just something that's really powerful for me, I think. So so using the art as a way of becoming more mindful, is that what you're meaning? Yep. Yeah. So is it like painting or drawing or? Whatever, whatever um, medium. So I yeah. myself went through art therapy through hospitals and treatment and alongside talk therapy and that's something yeah, that yeah. really connected with me. So I've had the opportunity to do a couple one-off workshops yeah 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 oh, that would be really interesting um and and you also hinted that you're perhaps doing something bigger so what's that I haven't planned it yet but it's definitely I think been a really cool stepping stone of I think I think this was a really uh important part for me to be like I have the belief and courage to do these yeah. things that was yeah. like a I came up with something that was ambitious it was the furthest I've run first I've hiked I did it solo I planned yeah. it solo and to come out of that, I just feel that, that sense of I don't know, like confidence. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I, I can do that. And I think that's just given me a lot more fuel to um, keep doing those things and keep pushing those boundaries. So what what are you planning? <laughs> <laughs> You'll find out. <laughs> so is it more of a run than a hike or is yeah, it? Yeah. And if it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so just we'll, we'll double back onto the hike itself. How... Um, how much did you pull back on the things that you'd learned through your treatment um, to enable you, you know, because I'm guessing that the first night was probably the hardest, you know, big being on your own, knowing what you had in front of you. What sort of lessons did you take into that that you, that you felt that you learned through your treatment? Mm, that's a really good question. I really love that. I think what's interesting, like the first part of treatment is, you know, like the refeeding, the just like the medical side, I guess. And then there's a period of um, treatment that's really, all right, what is it that you really love to do and understanding your personality and how to work with it and not taking things to the extreme and finding balance mm -hmm. and emotional regulation. Like there's been so much help that I've had the help from other people to work my way through a lot of problems in terms of, you know, not, not spiraling or being all black and white. And I think that was really key in those moments where I was finding it really hard to be able to keep persevering and keep a healthy mindset. Like mm. I think it's easy to beat yourself up or be hard or be doubtful. And I'm like, Oh, I've been here before. Yeah. And yeah. I faced it in a really good way in the sense that I had help from other people when facing it and knowing I could get through it and do it in a healthy way. Cause yeah, I mean, you could, <laughs> there is, I guess, an argument to be made that walking 250 kilometers by yourself through the wilderness is a pretty extreme thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you balance that, you know, trying to stay um non-extreme. Yeah, non-extreme doing something that is well, quite frankly quite extreme. Well, I think it's interesting because yeah, endurance running, it's extreme yeah. and it's yeah. looking, and it's really interesting because um is it ever healthy to be extreme? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. That's I, sat with that for so long I really tried to push it back and not run far and, and you know what I mean and yeah. I've come to realize it's me and it's my yeah. personality and yeah. that's actually where I thrive so if I can find a way a healthy way that is really like it lights me up that's yeah. something I want to follow that's yeah. like because yeah I've I've had that because I know I have my past as well that people are going to be a bit worried if I you know like yeah. I, I understand just copying one thing for another yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I and I and I'm like really try to battle with them like okay do I just let it all go and try without and yeah and I've really just come to realize it's in me to want to do these things yeah. it's my happy place and mm -hmm. I think to just do whatever measures I need to do to make sure I'm staying on top of it so 
like consistency or having a lot of self-compassion and always making sure my intentions are good and from the right place, which they have been. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think yeah. that made it possible. Yeah, um, it's, I guess, something you have to be very careful of because, I mean, I've seen Isabel push herself to the extreme where she, where it's no longer fun. It's yeah. actually, you know. <laughs> and it's no longer healthy. <laughs> Most definitely no longer healthy. Yeah, so, so I guess. It, know, it is that fine line and, yeah. and you know, and, and that's the thing. Like some of the runs I've done, it's not healthy. Um, I've done it because it's a challenge and I want to do it, but I'm not improving my health per se yeah, by doing yeah. it. But I'm the same as you. I need to feel like I'm constantly pushing myself and constantly pushing my limits. And if I don't do it in this healthy, I just said it's unhealthy, but in this manner, I will do something more unhealthy. So I think it is important, though, to recognise that um, sometimes these extreme things, they're not 100% healthy, but they're probably better than the alternative. Yes, 100%. And I think it's really important as well to come back to intentions and why you're doing it. Because, you know, Ned Brockman and this movement, it's just like, go hard and put yes, harder yeah. and i i feel very privileged to have the like perspective of things to be like okay that's probably really unhealthy they're probably going through a hard time and that's a punishment yes they're doing it because they're being hard on themselves yes. like you know i've always made sure that i've had the right intentions of making sure it's not from a bad and, place. and that's the thing because especially with an eating disorder it could be seen as over exercising yeah. as a way yeah. of punishing your body for having eaten so you've got to be careful to delineate it from from the eating i guess exactly well. exactly yeah. just being really cautious of intentions and i think you yeah. can do big things and hard things yeah with the right intention and being you know healthy or right for you but it's it's my personality i love yes. i love yeah. that like i oh, love look, highlining yeah. and yeah. pole dancing and the, that's me yeah. i can't yeah. let it go so it's yeah just making sure that it's finds its right place to thrive and never comes yeah. from an unhealthy intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and I agree because I do find it a little disconcerting seeing the people with the it's almost like a punishment mentality. Yeah. That yeah. I wouldn't yeah. As soon as if I start to notice my thinking being I need to eat it healthier or work out more, like that's a red flag going yeah. off. And it's like, okay, how can we find more compassion? How can we still, you know, keep the pizza and chocolate in or whatever yeah. it is that yeah. has that balance because it, it so easily can turn into that obsession or yes. too far and that is unhealthy yeah yeah absolutely yeah. so yeah. how are you coping now because obviously if you're doing training lots of training as we do as well um you have to feed your body well mm-hmm. and so you know knowing your past with your eating disorder um how do you find managing to get that nutrition that you need to fuel your body um, within the back of your mind not wanting to fall back into bad eating yeah habits. I think just always making sure that recovery and and like the good side is at the forefront so if I ever notice something like it's cool alrighty like even if my program says this or people say this that's my permission if I get that little red flag going off to step mm-hmm. away to slow yeah. down to do whatever it is to kind of get back on track but I think I'm really lucky in how I approached my like transition into running because I went so slow. I mm-hmm. I knew I like as soon as I found running, I was like, I want to go hard. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, okay, okay, give it a year. Yeah. Make sure that everything else is fully like dealt with. Even yeah. if you really want to do your first ultra, like let's just like take it slow. So I came into running in a really healthy mindset where I think so just give us a rundown of how you got into running and how it progressed as well yeah 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 so I think yeah I was playing soccer and then when COVID hit um 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. You never think... took up running. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty much. That was about all that there was to do. Yeah. But I think what really sparked it from it, okay, this is just a, a 5K, go yeah. do it, feels good to be done. Um, when I was traveling, I was couch surfing a lot and yeah. like, with a lot of people, I'm like it's my me time to get a bit of clarity, go for a trail run, explore a new place. And I just fell in love. Like yeah. that was the real like exploration, mm-hmm. solitude, clarity, movement. Yeah start today yeah so and how long ago did you yeah. start running oh it's covid so oh course, I, yeah, but, so. But, but i did grow up with a very athletic background of yeah, athletics yeah. well i mean stuff. soccer you're running a lot anyway so, so and, and athletics yeah. yeah so basically around 2020 you started and and uh, so and this has been your furthest this year which is well last year 2023 so which is i mean i think it's good regardless of your background to build slowly into ultras um I ran for many years before I did my first ultra. And I think it's really important to really build that base and strengthen the body. But you probably also had a, quite a bit of that, like you say, from the athletics and, and the soccer. But yeah. no, I think I think it's really important because I think there's also a movement, especially around my age and like social media is this, mm. you're able to do, you know, a hundred mile light and people, like the body probably can. Like people yes, can, yeah. I'm so, like so um, amazed by how far people can take the, you know, push those limits. It's amazing, but it's really harmful to just do it for the sake of being able to prove something. Yes. Or, yeah. But it's like almost like a short-term gratification. It almost like this is the fact that people do strength work and yeah. all the flexibility and rehab work that it takes to run a run and recover well afterwards. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's important that if you want to be running for a long time, which I presume you do, that you do the, the correct stuff now because those people who bust out those 100 miles within the first year or two, they may not necessarily be running in five years because their body is broken, like you say, with not looking at recovery and strength and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Is there anything that we have not covered that you would like to talk about? So how can people, if they're listening and, you know, runners – come generally ultra runners tend to come from some sort of not everybody but quite a few runners come from um some sort of background and and I've known a few people with eating disorders or it could be drug addiction or alcohol but um you know it's um I'm sure someone listening will know someone who's had an eating disorder and has gotten into ultra running because it's not necessarily uncommon um, for those people who want to um, donate, what can they do to donate? Because, it, you know, I'm sure it's close to a lot of people's hearts. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Um, so I've got a Reasley Plays going, which is raising funds for yeah. Eating Disorder Families Australia. And I, I believe that's just, yeah, a really amazing platform to help um, all around. There's also Butterfly and Eating yeah. Disorders Victoria and, okay. and many other, many organisations that are really coming together to help spread yeah. more awareness, help educate, and, yeah, really. Christine, of interest, did they find that there was an increase in eating disorders from during COVID times or anything like that? I'm I not sure, know. but the people who are infected ex- was ex- it would through, have been the terrible time. through the roof with, yeah. with how it went. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can imagine. Um, anyway, I'll put the links in for your um, the, the one that you're yeah, supporting. But, yeah. yes, of course, people can look at if if, if it, there's uh, lots of those sort of charities that they can um, – help with like you said um anyway thank you for coming on and and sharing your story because it's not easy to I mean we hadn't met before this so you know it's not easy to to talk about these things necessarily and but I know there are other people in the ultra running community who have experienced this and it you know it's always that nice feeling that you're not alone and how can people follow you and your journey and your next 
vegan venture. Yeah, yeah. yet to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> On socials, um, Elise Marcianti. Yeah. Yep. All right. I'll put the links to your um, Instagram page in the show notes. So if you want to know any more, um, just check out the show notes. And yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very thanks much. Thanks for having me. 